Well, in the scripture passage that we'll study today, the Lord Jesus uses a word that is by its very nature offensive. And if that word is ever used in context that we're involved in, we almost always immediately become defensive. And that word is hypocrite. Hypocrite. It's that form of sin that I spoke about at the beginning of service. And today as we study about this word, we're being compelled to ask ourselves, are we, are you, am I, sometimes, perhaps often, hypocritical? It's an important question that we would ask ourselves, especially in light of the fact that as I mentioned about Jeremiah seventeen nine, our hearts are deceitful. We can't even know how sinful we are because our hearts hide it from us. And so we have to ask ourselves this question. Now here in this scripture passage, the Lord Jesus described the Jewish leaders, these scribes and these Pharisees, as being hypocrites. And as I studied about this word, I found out why the use of this particular word to define the personalities and the behaviors of these religious leaders was so appropriate. I found that the original Greek word for hypocrite was one used to describe an actor. An actor, a person who in those days performed on a stage with a mask to cover their faces. The Webster's Dictionary defines a hypocrite as being a person who puts on a false appearance. A false appearance of virtue or religion. And also... It's a person who acts in contradiction to their own stated beliefs and feelings. And those definitions and those descriptions seem so very appropriate to the understanding that the Lord Jesus would want you and me to have about these particular men. That these men, these scribes and these Pharisees, they tried to hide their real personalities, their real intentions behind a mask, making them hypocrites that live a life that's filled with hypocrisy. And so then, the question again, are you, am I, ever hypocritical? Would those who know us best think that, yes, we often are hypocritical? I want you to read along with me and think about these verses in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And I want you to note that as Jesus speaks to this crowd, he also then moves his focus over to the disciples. Listen to these words, Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he, this is the Lord Jesus, began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. And then he switches over to the, his focus over to the disciples. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Interesting words. And then he goes on to tell us in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus then speaking also to the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's face. For you neither enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who would enter in to go in. Now folks, in these special verses of Scripture, also in others like them, Jesus took opportunity to explain and to communicate the insidious nature of this sin of hypocrisy. And I want us to do that today. And as we do, let me remind us that God does not give us these words of Scripture just as information to know about those other people. He didn't put these words in the Scripture just so we could know this about those scribes and Pharisees. He did that, yes, but the real message that He wants to give to us is that you and I, you and me, as we look into these Scriptures, we are to use these Scriptures as a mirror in which we're able then to see our own selves and to see the behaviors of our own souls. Yes, we're looking at the behaviors of these men, but the Lord wants us to be able to use their behaviors as a mirror to see our own behaviors. Now let me begin by repeating some of the things that I said in an earlier message. In those words, the Lord Jesus describes the sin of hypocrisy as working much in the same manner as does leaven. Leaven, the yeast that we put into a lump of flour dough. And that is such a fitting analogy. There's something almost mystical about the way that yeast is able to function within a lump of dough. Because with only just a small amount of yeast being added to a mixture, that yeast is able to spread in and infuse itself into every part of that mixture, affecting and changing the very nature of every part of that lump of dough. And here Jesus is describing the sin of hypocrisy as having the exact same kind of ability and effect. It only takes a very small amount of the sin of hypocrisy to be added to an otherwise virtuous and honorable person or to their plans, their purposes, to their noble intents, to their well-meaning efforts. And then very subtly, very subtly, without fail, that sin of hypocrisy works in the same way as does that yeast. It will begin to work its way into every part of what that person is doing, their personality, their plans. And folks, that is the nature of sin of any kind. That is the nature of sin of any kind, not just hypocrisy, but sin of any kind. Perhaps sins that you have that you want to hold on to for some reason. Just as with yeast being added into flour, with only one small sin being added into the life of one person, the first mother, Eve, with just one sin added into her, that sin then quickly spread and it infected not only herself, but also it began to infect the people that she loved most, her husband, her son, Cain. And then that sin then spread on out and infused itself into every person, every man, woman, and child that's ever been born on this earth. And now you and me, you and I, as I, as we sit here in this church today, the same desires that were infused into Eve's soul, the desire to be more than she was, the desire to be someone that she was not, 
the desire to make decisions for herself, the desire to have control over other people, all of those things, on and on. Folks, those sins are now within every person's heart and soul, and they are as natural to you and me as breathing. And to think and to do anything differently is unnatural to our minds and to our hearts. Does not that reality of the pervasive nature of sin bring fear to our hearts? If it doesn't, it should. But folks, I do fear that most often it doesn't. And why not? It's because we simply do not see our sinful nature for what it really is. It says that verse in Jeremiah 17 tells us we can't realize just how that sin is affecting our hearts. We look at the way that we think and the way that we behave every day. For each incident, we hold court about ourselves and our behavior and we judge ourselves to be innocent with most every form of wrongdoing that we might encounter. We think that we're right about so many things. And if we do occasionally determine that we might have done something a little bit wrong, we know that we intended to do it right. And so we forgive ourselves. And folks, listen. Therein lies this insidious nature of hypocrisy. That same casual, relaxed attitude towards our own personal sin while seeing and condemning the same sin in other people is foundational to this sin of hypocrisy that Jesus is teaching about here. Hypocrisy is described in these words by Jesus as saying one thing but doing another. He said that just a few verses earlier about the scribes and the Pharisees. They teach one thing, but they do another. He's asking us to look into the mirror of His Word and see ourselves. Hypocrisy, again, is the preaching and the teaching of the requirements of righteousness. And we do that with our children. We do that with our friends. But we're not willing to follow those same mandates that we give out portraying ourselves as being one way, but then actually doing another. These religious leaders that Jesus was speaking about occupied this trusted position with God. Daily they were giving out the holy laws of God, but in their own personal daily habits, they were saying one thing and doing another. They were quoting the law to other people, but they were unwilling to obey it for themselves. Now again, let me ask you, does not that kind of mindset and that kind of lifestyle seem vaguely familiar to you? Folks, it really should. It does to me. Why? It's because it is my lifestyle and my attitude. And it breaks my heart that I'm that way. It breaks my heart that I'm that way. I think about the way the Apostle Paul wrestled with that sort of thing. He said in Romans chapter 7, he said, Oh, what a wretched man I am. Why do I keep doing the things that I know I shouldn't do? And I don't do the things that I know I should. Folks, sadly, this is you and me. And the Lord wants us to know that it's you and me. That's why he put it here in this word. He didn't want to just tell us what was going on with these scribes and Pharisees. He's saying, this is for you and for me. We do this very thing that Jesus was rebuking the scribes and Pharisees for. We're as guilty as they are. And that's why, again, Jesus chose to put these words in this scripture. To be a mirror 
so that we could look into it and see ourselves. Folks, the voice of God in these scriptures is calling out to you and to me. And his voice is saying, my dear child, stop what you're doing. Stop being so hypocritical. Stop thinking and talking and acting like you're right about things. Let me give you an example. The next time you watch the news and you see what our Congress is doing or what other members of our society is doing, immediately we know how wrong they are. You know what that means? That means that we know what's right. That's part of the definition of being hypocritical. And so the Lord is saying to us, stop thinking that way. Stop thinking and talking and acting like you are always right or you always know the right way while demanding perfection from everyone else and not getting it, by the way. And listen, we especially need to quit using the false humility of saying, oh, I know I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be. How many times have you heard that said? How many times have you heard that said out of your own mouth? Folks, listen, we need never to say that. That's false humility. And we need never to say it. We truly are, just as the Apostle Paul was describing there in Romans chapter 7, we are, he described himself as a wretch. And yes, I am a wretch. And sometimes, perhaps often, more often than we even realize, we're hypocrites. At the heart of our hypocrisy is the sin of having a judgmental spirit. Do you have a judgmental spirit? I confess to you that I do. I don't want to have a judgmental spirit, but I do. We really do believe the very best about ourselves while we're thinking that probably most everyone else is falling short. And yes, listen, yes, all those other people that you are seeing falling short, yes, they're doing that. Yes, they are falling short. We can see it taking place. It's easy to see. But the Lord is saying, so are we. So are we. And he's telling us to first attend to our own soul instead of attending to everyone else's. And listen, now here in these particular words of Jesus, we find another sometimes concealed meaning that we need to consider. And that is, why and how is it that we can see hypocrisy in all those other people? Why is it that we're able to see how wrong they are? These words again. Verse 1, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you said in the dark shall be heard in the light and whatever you've whispered in the private room shall be proclaimed on the rooftops. These words answer that question that I just asked about why and how is it that we can see all that hypocrisy within other people. While a person may think that their deeds are hidden and that no one else can know about their double life of hypocrisy, it's being seen and it's being heard by most everyone. And folks, listen, according to these words, it's being screamed from the rooftops. Listen, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light and whatever you have whispered in dark rooms shall be proclaimed from the rooftops. Now consider that for a moment. Consider that for a moment. 
The question is, again, why are we able to see the hypocrisy in all those other people? This is the answer. Their sins are not as well hidden as they think. And why? It's because God's Holy Spirit roams throughout this earth, revealing sin to everyone. And their sins are being screamed from the rooftops. Now, we have to stop for a moment and say, but wait, if that be true, and it is, then the same must also be taking place with you and me and our own personal sins. Now think about that for a moment and ask yourself, can that be true for me? Are the sins that I think that I hide so well also being clearly seen by all those around me? Are my sins being screamed from the rooftops? And the answer is yes. Yes, they are. These words of the Lord Jesus are truth. He's telling us that they are. They are truth about our neighbor, but they're also truth about you and me. And listen, these words are also light, shining into our dark world and telling us that we need to be able to see where we're sinful. Not just that we can see other people's sin, but these words are telling us that this light is shining into our dark world so that we can see our own sins. And it's telling us that we need to be able to see them, to confess our sins, to repent of them, and to turn from them. These words again. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in the private room shall be proclaimed on the rooftops. Now, while these words can be taken to mean literally that they're said in the dark, they also are those words that are spoken in the darkness of sin. We whisper gossip to one another. We speak over our shoulder, look at her, look at him. Hidden conversations. Spoken quietly, as the Lord says here, into the ear of our closest friend. They do not remain hidden. The light of God will shine on them sooner or later. And it'll cause those words that we thought was spoken in confidence to be heard by many. Behavior that is hidden in the darkness of sin will be always shown in the spotlight of God. The light of God's that way. Its very existence reveals whatever sin is present around it. Folks, from the first moment of creation, God's voice has been going out into all the earth. And you and I are able to clearly see and to know all those many things that are taking place in this world. Yes, we can see the good things, but he's also showing us the corruption that's taking place. And he wants us to deal with it in the right manner. But he first wants us to stop and see our own sin. You and I need to be aware that our own corruption truly is being screamed from those same rooftops. Whatever you've spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you've spoken in the ears in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Folks, it's a wretched existence for us to live within the constant sin of hypocrisy. I say that from personal experience. So should you. Earnestly believing that we're pretty much right on most everything that we think. But most everybody else isn't. Again, yes, those other people, they truly are falling short. Far short of God's plan and purpose for them. Some of them do it very openly. And we can see it. It's obvious. They lie. And we know they're lying. They cheat. Some of them drink too much. Some of them do drugs. 
there's a lot of prescription drugs that are being misused, on and on. And why do we know about it? Why do we know about it? It's because God is proclaiming it, just like he's saying here, from the rooftops. And he wants us to know that, yes, we're part of those same groups. Now, with all that being said, what are we to do about this wretched condition that we're in? Constantly living within these forms of sin and especially hypocrisy. What are we supposed to do about it? The answer truly is simple and uncomplicated, but it's very difficult to carry out. It begins first with those words in Romans chapter 7 that the Apostle Paul said to us. He said, I thank God my answer is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he truly is the only answer, our only solution. It is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But listen, though we know that to be true, how do we get from where we are now to where we need to be? I confess to you folks that there's no easy path. There's no easy path. I know that the only answer for me is first to recognize my sin, to recognize that I am hypocritical too often, more often than I would even think. And then the next thing is to confess that sin, to personally surrender to the Lord and all that I'm doing. And not just once, but every time that he reveals it to me over and over again. As temptation and sin comes calling on my soul, I know that I need to surrender my heart and my will all over again to the Lord Jesus. And as I said a moment ago, to do that over and over again, he really is my only hope. And I know that he is your only hope. And the Lord has brought this matter of hypocrisy to us today for a real important reason. He knows that each of our hearts are filled with this same hypocrisy, that hypocrisy truly is common to us. A judgmental spirit is common to us. He knows that we really do hold ourselves in high esteem, higher esteem than we should, thinking that we really do know the answer to whatever's taking place at, the, at that moment. And yes, folks, sometimes we do pretty good in our responses, but probably not often. Now, let me say all this one more time again, and then we'll close. Yes, there are other people all around us that are very obviously living a low form of lifestyle, and we can see it. They're doing things and they're saying things that they shouldn't do or say. But listen to these words. God has not delegated the responsibility of judging their character and their behavior to you and me. That's the very essence of hypocrisy. God has not delegated the responsibility of judging other people's character and their behavior to you and me. We really do need to leave that form of judging to the Lord. Yes, we need to recognize where those people are wrong. But we ought to recognize it for only one reason, and that is to pray for them and to help them whenever we can. And listen, when we feel this urge to lean over to our good friend in private and belittle someone else, we need to bite our tongues. You and I need to bite our tongues. And we need to do that until it becomes a habit. 
a real habit. And because it is, as Jesus said here, that our sins are often being shouted from the rooftops, we probably need to remind ourselves that the other people around us, they probably see us better than we see ourselves. Again, those words in Jeremiah 17, our hearts somehow hide our own sin from us. And those other people around us, they probably are seeing us better than what we're seeing ourselves. They probably know that we're thinking too highly of ourselves. What comes to mind is so many of our wives. Us men too often like to exaggerate. We like to say things about ourselves that aren't exactly true. Our wives can look at us. Usually they won't tell us about it, but they know that we're thinking too highly of ourselves. And folks, our children are doing the same thing, and our grandchildren. We need to know that that's taking place because that's one of God's safeguards for us. So then, may I say this one more time? It is as the Lord Jesus said in these words, our sins truly are being shouted from the rooftops, that you and I need to turn our gaze from the sins of all those other people, whether it be politicians or whether it be our relatives or whether it be our neighbors. And we need to turn our gaze from them and we need to concentrate on mending our own fences. So as we close, let me ask us again, based on what we've read here and what's been said, am I hypocritical? Are you? The simple truth is, yes, we sometimes are, and probably far more often than we can know, and that we'll even admit even after hearing these words. But listen, the remedy is this. God still does love us. He loves us with an everlasting love. And in these words, he's calling you and me to repentance. Let me stop there for a moment. Recall when Jesus was dealing with the prostitute that was being accused by those scribes and Pharisees. He said to her, I do not condemn you. Why is that? At that moment in time, Jesus was not the judge. He had come to seek and to save those who are lost. And so he didn't condemn her at that time. But he did say one thing to her. He said, go and sin no more. And that's what these words are telling us. He's calling you and me to listen and to see ourselves in the mirror of his word. And he's calling us to repentance and calling us to turn from our hypocrisy. And he promises that if we will do that, then he'll be faithful to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. I'll read 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, and we'll close. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Simple words. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, we confess these are difficult words, words we don't want to hear about ourselves. We'd rather hear gentle words telling us how much you love us and how much everything's okay. And it really will be if we will turn to you and confess our sins and turn from them. Then it really will be okay 
you'll forgive us our sins and you'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.